Hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. So the title of my message today is Pull the Plug. <laughs> so we're going to join Jesus in John 4 as he travels from Judea to Galilee. There's a map going to come up here. If you look at the map, you'll see it's quite small, but Samaria is the yellow one in the middle. You've got Judea down the bottom and Galilee up the top there. So to get from Jerusalem, say, to Galilee, you've got to go through Samaria. But they're not friends. So most people went around the outside. Um, but this, this day, um, well, the Samaritans are actually a mix of Jews and Gentiles. And they, they had a religious difference. They, um, there was a whole lot of religious things that they didn't agree. And one was where where to worship God, and it wasn't just an argument, it was full on, these guys were, were enemies. Um, anyway, so Jesus had a holy appointment um, at the well in Samaria that Jacob had built years ago. Now Jacob um, is probably known as the, or he's described as the father or the patriarch of the twelve tribes. So these are two, two, two tribes that didn't get on. So here Jesus is sitting at the well, it's a hot day, it's the middle of He's probably travelled for a few days to get to where he is in Samaria. Um, it's the middle of the day, he's in the desert, um, it's the hottest part of the day, everybody's away in their houses, you know, cooling down, and the disciples went into town to get some food to bring back to him, and way out in the distance he saw someone walking towards him, someone on their own. It was a woman, and she's walking to the well, she's got, they usually had a, a big plank with the jars hanging off them. Um, she's walking to the well to get some water in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. Women usually went um, and got the water in the morning, and they went in, in groups, you know, had a bit of a, it was, could have been the highlight of the day sometimes, going and getting the water for washing and, and drinking and that for the day, but this woman was on her own um, in, in the heat, um, which kind of, kind of speaks to me, you know, was she trying to avoid other people? You know, was she, what, you know, what was she doing there in the middle of the day? So she comes to the well and Jesus said to her, he asked her one question, he said, can I have a drink of water? So he's actually smashing down a few boundaries by just saying this, this question to her. Um, he's talking to a Samaritan, which is what you do not do, especially you don't ask them to give you something. So he's smashing down the racial and the ethnic boundaries right there. He's talking to a woman, he's a man on his own talking to another woman, he's smashing down the gender boundary right there, and he's also talking to this woman who's likely to be an outcast in her own town. So um, there, there's another social boundary that he's smashing down right there. So by asking that one small question, he's smashing down three, three massive boundaries, because there's no way that a Jew should be asking a Samaritan woman for anything at all. So he asks this, and she refuses this by saying that you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, you can't ask me that. Is she rejecting him as a Jew, or is she kind of rejecting him before he can reject her? We don't know. Why is this woman on the defence? If you actually knew who I am, Jesus said, you would ask me for living water. I can't get water from you, she said, you've got no jugs to get it from. So she's stating the obvious, she's skimming around the question, she's sort of staying on the surface there, and sort of, 
She's being a little bit blind to the supernatural. He's trying to go in real deep, and she's just staying on the surface. Um, and then she said, are you greater than our father Jacob who built this well? Saying this, she's actually giving a little bit of, um, she's bridging the gap. She said, our father Jacob. So um, there's actually something there that, um, that they have in common. Then he said, everyone who drinks in the natural will thirst. The water I give you is everlasting. Actually, it will start a spring inside you and keep flying. Okay, give me this water so I don't have to come here again, she said. <laughs> she being a wee bit sarcastic. Is she tired? Is she curious? Or is she suspicious? Or maybe she thinks that, you know, this guy... You know, I want to keep talking to this guy. Who's this guy? He said, go and call your husband. And she said, I don't have any husbands. And he said, you're right. You've had five husbands and you're living with another man. Oh, okay. So this woman has been divorced up to five times. She may have been widowed, but she's also been divorced. Has she been thrown aside by the men that, loved, that she loved her loved? This kind of rejection could cause anyone to be suspicious of a man talking to you for no reason, seemingly at all. And also for a man to marry a divorced woman, once, twice, three, four times divorced woman, is actually quite a lowly thing to do as well in the community. So these men had, had married her, and actually the man that she's with right now won't even give her the honour of marrying her. So I'm, I'm thinking that... Um, she could have been caught in adultery, or she could have been a prostitute, but I would say after five marriages, she's likely to have been dead if that had happened. She probably would have been stoned or um, outcast big time. So I'm thinking she's been rejected by five men, um, and it's possible that she wasn't being treated very well at home right now either. Good preaching. So the fact that she was on her own meant that she was ashamed to be with anyone else at the well. She'd been rejected by other women as well. Maybe she was a little bit scared to associate with anybody else. And when Jesus said about the husbands, it had to actually sting her. She would have been tensed up, you know, waiting for the shaming to come. Well, here we go, he's going to tell me off, you know, like everybody else has. Um, but he didn't say this to cause shame. He said this to prove who he was and also show her that she's worthy of sitting down and looking at the eye and having a conversation with um, but this kind of thing when he said about um, the husband is actually called a word of knowledge which is something that we also have access to as well as prophetic words we can we can use words of knowledge as well it's actually used to get below that surface when you're talking to people and, and get, a, get right under there and a word of knowledge is actually the tool that helps to pull the plug Okay. So this woman was filled up with earthly water. She was filled up, I'm likely thinking of rejection, sin, unbelief, fear of man, everything that sits in the bottom of us is poison if it's not drained out. But as he, told, as he said this word of knowledge to her, he pulled the plug and he let everything out. And he left her an empty vessel just for that moment. And he still actually does that today. Um, one, one way that he's done that with me is um, before I became a Christian, I was, um, I was deep into the occult. I used, to, I used to carry a pendulum around with me to make decisions. I used to go to clairvoyance. I used to spend a lot of time in cemeteries. I used to talk to the dead. All the stuff that, <laughs> that I thought was you know, really interesting and, and, and really great. Um, but when I met Jesus, when, when I actually met him, I didn't actually 
it wasn't a transaction that I remember, but I just remember waking up the next day, or a few days later, I don't know, and it just wasn't important to me anymore, all that stuff. Um, um, yeah, all that death and the occult, it just wasn't important to me. In fact, it's almost like I'd known it forever, that it wasn't relevant. I mean, it is real, but it's not real in this life. Um, so, that's when he pulled the plug. I think he pulled the plug and let all that out. I think he probably needed a plunger for a lot of the stuff that I was using, but he, he pulled the plug anyway. So all that junk that the enemy uses was drained out of me and replaced with living water. But to keep this going, to keep this flow going, we actually need to fill that plug hole back up again with the cross. We need to fill it with Jesus. Um, because he stops the living water from flowing back out of us. It's like a filter. He allows it to become a spring in us that fills us up to overflow. So the overflow is where we work in the prophetic. The overflow is where we work in the words of knowledge. It's the overflow that helps us to go out and be kind to people that we might not agree with. Um, it's the overflow that, that brings yeah, the words of knowledge and healing, signs and wonders. You know, God works through the overflow through us. It's the overflow that fuels the light so we can be a light in the darkness. And it's the overflow that allows us to do what he has asked every single one of us to do, which is go into the world and preach the gospel. If we have Jesus stopping the plug hole, every little bit of sin that enters us will sink to the bottom and it has to go through the cross before it drains out. Okay? If we don't allow Jesus to pull the plug, all the sin building up can cause the cool water to become lukewarm. And we all know that lukewarm is useful for nothing. It says in the Bible that he will spit lukewarm from his mouth. It's neither hot nor cold. And um, I, I think it, he uses the word lukewarm because you, lukewarm actually is useful for nothing. You can't make a cup of tea with lukewarm water. You can't wash the dishes with lukewarm water. You know, water has to be hot or cold to have, to have, to have use. Um, so yeah, Jesus is the filter of our lives. We'll go back to the woman at the well. Oh, she said, you're a prophet. So she changes the subject, and then she starts on a dead-end argument about where they're, supposed to, where they're supposed to worship God and things like that. And we all have come across that when we've spoken to people about God. They start saying, um, you know, they start giving us religious arguments, you know, um, why does God allow this or that? You know, why do you believe in a 2,000-year-old book? Or if God is love, why is there so much hate in the world? All those kind of questions that are sort of meant to trip us up. Um, and it distracts us from God. The only people that can't argue that, that can't argue with us are the ones when we tell them our story, our testimony. So on to verse 21, Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. So he's just saying to her there, it's not where you worship him, it's how you worship him. 
She said, I know the Messiah is coming. This tells me, you know, she knows the scriptures. She's read it. She, she's waiting for the Messiah. She knows he's going to come. And she said, he will explain everything to us. And then he said something that he hadn't said to anyone yet. He said, I who speak to you am he. This is the first person in the Bible that he actually revealed himself to like this. A woman, a Samaritan woman, an outcast. He didn't, he didn't tell the disciples first. He didn't tell any of the religious leaders or anything. He told this woman. Which is, is really cool because this woman, he knew how crucial this appointment was with this woman for the church. I imagine when he did speak to her, the words burnt through her heart. Like we were talking before, holy fire. You know, like they did with Simon and Cleopas on the way to Emmaus. If we look at Luke 24, 30, these two men were walking out and they met Jesus on the road. And they were speaking, talking about the scriptures. But it's not until they took him home and sat with him, had a meal with him, that their eyes were opened and they said, did not our hearts burn when he spoke the scriptures to us? Or the Passion Translation says, didn't our hearts burn with flames of holy passion? Yeah. Oh, I love that, eh? I'm thinking every time Jesus talked to someone in the Bible, their hearts would burn with holy passion. It's it just... So lovely. And it's also how we discern his voice today. I mean, has anybody had their hearts burn with holy passion, you know, when they just know that it is for them? He's speaking to them. And with the words of knowledge, everyone has the ability to reach people under that surface and work in the overflow. God will actually give us words of knowledge if we ask for them. These gifts are like the prophetic gifts. They're like muscles. The more you use them, the more, the stronger they get. God speaks to us with all the time. He actually talks to us all the time. It's up to us to tune into the right station that he is on. Um, but one way, the words of knowledge, one way this happened to me um, was um, I was driving with Michael in Christchurch one day and um, we're driving on the road and, and I was in the passenger seat. And he said, oh, there's that guy over there. I saw him um, in the shop earlier. Oh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to talk to him about God. I was like, okay. He was on my side. And we're pulling up. I'm like, do you just want me to roll, roll the window down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we pulled up. And I, and I well, didn't roll the window. I pressed the window down. And, um, and then um, he goes, oh, g'day, mate. You know, I was talking to you before in the shop. And the guy goes, no. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, please help me out, please help me out here. And he started talking to him, which was really cool, and I just got a, I just got a word, just one word downloaded, and it was protector. And, and, and I just said, oh, um, I feel God really, um, I feel God wants, um, wants you to know that, you know, you have a, a gift, you're a protector, you're a protect men, you protect young men, you're a protector. And as soon as that word came out, you know, I saw his face change and, and his eyes started welling up. And it had actually it got below the surface and it, and it hit his heart. I was talking straight to his heart then. Um, all you have to do is just one word and trust him. Trust him that it's going to come out and that a few years ago. And unfortunately, unfortunately he's, he's become unhealed again for now. Um, but I was texting him and um, as, soon as, I, as soon as I hit my phone, I got this pain in my shoulder. It was such a sharp pain right there, and I'm texting him, and I thought, oh, this is not, this is not, this isn't real. So I said, oh, have you got a sore shoulder by any chance? And he said, oh, I'm actually lying in bed. I've got, um, I've pulled pulled a muscle, and um, yeah, I haven't been able to work today. And I sort of, I said, is it a really sharp pain? Like it takes your breath away, and it's right here. And, and, and yeah, it was. And I said, oh, I think we need to come around and see you. 
So we, before we went around there, I spent a little bit of time with God and I asked him for a word of knowledge. Um, this man really, he's, a while ago, the Holy Ghost told me that I'll be bringing him to church one day. He hasn't come yet, so, and he doesn't not finish anything he starts. So he's going to be coming to church one day and I, and I need to be pressing in. So um, I asked for a couple of words of knowledge and, and I got a picture of a little boy um, in a sort of like an old-fashioned um, school uniform with long shorts and, and laced-up boots. And then I got the number six. And, and I kind of, okay, God, what am I going to do with this six years old? Okay. So we went around to see him and we were talking away. And, and, um, and I said, oh, I feel God just wants... Um, he just gave me the number six, that something, something, something significant happened to you when you were six years old that changed the course of your whole life. Something really significant happened. And, oh my gosh, well, it just, it just blew apart. Everything just blew apart, you know. It just it reached in there, grabbed his heart, pulled it apart. It was amazing because he hadn't told a lot of people this, but he had um, a massive traumatic experience at the age of six. He ended up having to sleep in the dog kennel um, to get away from his tormentor when he was a little kid with the dog. It was, it was, it was horrific um, what this man had been through. Um, and he was pouring out all the stuff that he's never told anyone, not even his wife who was sitting with us. Uh, and then I mentioned about the boots and yeah, his dad made him wear these boots to school because um, he didn't look after his shoes properly and, and that was another source of, of, of um, torture sort of as well from his family. So in those words of knowledge, you know, I asked for them, I got given a couple of random things and, and I brought them out and I, and I trusted God that um, it was going to, you know, get below that surface. Um, so we'll get back to the well. The disciples returned back from the, the shops or the market or whatever it was back then um, with some food and they watched the woman as she dropped her jars and ran back into town. She left her jars at the well. She dropped them and left them at the well. So the, the, her whole purpose for visiting the well was to get some water. She dropped them and ran back into town. So with that interaction with Jesus, her whole purpose had changed. Wow. Okay. Good one. She went from her earthly vessels that she was carrying to an empty vessel herself. Okay? She was filling up with living water. She ran back. To the, to the village. These are the people that were outcasting her. They, they didn't give her the time of day. I imagine she found somewhere to stand on in the middle of town because everyone's still inside and yelled out at the top of her voice, come into the well. See this man. He knows everything about me. Everything I've ever done. Come and see him. Can he be the Christ? I think she would have yelled that out at least five times for people to start coming out of the buildings and yeah. try and trust this crazy woman, you know, yelling in the middle of town. So what happens is hundreds of people, yeah, they went to the well. They also had an encounter with Jesus, and he stayed in that town for a few days. Um, yeah, she didn't go back into town and sort of buy some new jars and, and, and just carry on with life. She was filled up with living water, and she was working from that overflow. Yeah. She wanted everyone else to experience Jesus, even the people that had rejected her. Now that's something, I think. So her name was actually Fatini, that's her name, and she went on to be the first evangelist who had an encounter with Jesus, he filled her with living water and set a fire in her heart to see the lost found again. 
She travelled the world with, her, world with her family. She was persecuted greatly, but she would have been exercising her spiritual muscles with miracles, signs and wonders and healings everywhere. And she was sharing the gospel everywhere from that one encounter with Jesus. Her life changed as he pulled the plug and he emptied out her sin and rejection. When he filled her with living water, her overflow took her to the world to spread the good news. After all, that's what he does ask of us. The Bible says in Mark 16:15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptised will be saved, but he who does not will be condemned. It doesn't say, if you've got time today, or if you're feeling brave enough, just go and sort of, you know, see if you find some people that might be receptive to, you know, hear the word Jesus out in the open, that we're not in the church building. It doesn't say that. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah. When we preach the gospel, it works for itself. As soon as that gospel comes out of our mouths, it works in, some, in the person's heart, whether they're showing it or not. You've actually, you planted a seed. Okay, you let it, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out well, then you say, "Hey, bless you, have a lovely day," and you leave, and you leave them with the gospel because that will keep working, that will keep bubbling away. Someone else will come along and water that seed, but you've you've planted the seed. But to do this, we actually need to receive living water from Jesus. So we come to the well, which is here every Sunday. Not to collect physical water like meeting with friends, having a nice muffin, although that is quite nice as well. But, you know, and not have like a business transaction and things like that. We actually come here to have our plugs pulled with ministry, okay? And we come here to have our living spring inside us filled up so it stays clear and cool and overflows after we get into our cars and drive home. It's not just about Sunday. I mean... Would you cross the street for someone in need on the way home? With, oh, do you have the authority to think, oh well, they don't need Jesus today? You know, do do we do we actually? Is there any? I mean, I've thought that before. I've been driving along on the way to somewhere and thought, oh gosh, that person needs prayer. Oh well, I'm late, and kept driving. You know, Fatini met Jesus at the well, and she left the world behind her and started her daily journey of filling up with spirit and truth in relationship with Jesus. He gave her a fire in her heart for evangelism and spiritual gifts that she practiced and took all over the world, being persecuted without being totally free and being totally free of the hate, rejection and shame that she had lived in for years previously. This transaction with God will bust the church walls down. And it'll bring the Holy Spirit from here out to here. It'll bring it out of the walls, out to the people in our community. And beyond, the people that are desperately looking for a light in the, the darkness. So, what I want to ask of you guys today is, will you leave your water jars behind here today? Will you leave them here at the altar? Will you let Jesus pull the plug and drain out anything that's, that's in, your, um, in your vessel and fill you up with living water? Will you worship the Father in spirit and in truth? So I'll just leave you with one thing just to remember. Remember that some people's only experience with Jesus in their lifetime will be the light that comes out of you. Yeah. Okay. And that is me. Wow.